Welcome to the Mind and Matter podcast, where we talk about the issues that matter and how transforming your mind can change the world around you. There'll be no peace. There'll be no peace. There'll be no peace. Until there's justice. Until there's justice. Hey guys, this is actually part two of a two-part conversation. So if you seem a little confused, uh, go back and listen to the previous podcast. This is The Gospel and Race, A Look into the Future. The previous podcast was The Gospel and Race, A History. Together, they make one long conversation, but because we wanted to respect your time, and we know a lot of you guys are listening in the car or as you're driving or something like that, we've split this conversation into two. So without further ado, here is part two of our conversation. So let's kind of put some Bible to this. Let's. Okay. I want to read something. Amos sure. chapter 5. And I think you have yeah. a really great explanation on this. I want to read this. I'm going to read yeah. it in the message version. And if you want to explain it from a different version, that's fine. But I like the message version because it makes it like clear. So wrong. Yeah. And yeah, it's like, it, it just explains it. There's no questions. And then I kind of want to go from this, reading this, talking about this, you giving some insight because you have some great insight on this. And then kind of, okay, we've addressed, hey, this is maybe why the church isn't on the front lines of this, but we're realizing we should be. And so let's talk about Amos 5, how this applies to 2020 and the prophetic call that the church has to embrace and engage the cultural now, to be the frontliners on what the, the conversation and the movement. So I'm going to read through this and then I'd love to get your insight. Sure. So this is Amos chapter 5. I'm going to start in verse 21. So this is God speaking. He says, I can't stand your religious meetings. I'm fed up with your conferences and conventions. I want nothing to do with your religion projects, your pretentious slogans and goals. I'm sick of your fundraising schemes, your public relations and image making. I've had all I can take of your noisy ego music. When was the last time you sang to me? Do you know what I want? I want justice, oceans of it. I want fairness, rivers of it. That's what I want. That's all I want. And so before you give, because you, again, you have some great insight on this. I want to point to our hero, Martin Luther King Jr. We love to quote him and we love to point at the movement, the civil rights sure, movement, which sure. I do. I mean, he's one of my personal heroes. But I think what we don't realize is the power of the movement came from very scriptural reality. In fact, in his I Have a Dream speech where he talks about like let justice roll and like he's streams directly, of right, he's, he's directly, quoting yeah. Amos 5. Yeah. And so there's this really deep connection between, and I'll use the civil rights movement as, of course, that's our most prominent example as it should be, but we see that movement was the exact picture of here is scriptural conviction and truth and foundation Here's the cultural moment. Here's where they merge. And because we are Christians, we don't turn away from this and say like, oh, again, put our little band-aid Bible verses. God's going to come back and fix this. No, our Christianity informs us. Our Bible informs us that we should embrace this, that this is actually what God is asking from the church. So what do you think about all that when I say that? So here's, let me step outside and then I'll step in. Sure. Because it'll, it'll make sense. Um we're always really good at looking at past cultures and saying, what in the heck was wrong with them? Didn't they see how bad mm-hmm. they were treating people? Right. The problem is, is that we live in our culture, not someone else's. Mm. Like we live in our time, we live in our era. And so when we look back, we can look back with, un- like 
we're not in swimming in that culture so we can say well that was dumb that was weird that was wrong the problem is and this is why the church is always called to be a counter story a counter narrative mm. a counter culture is that we've got to look at the culture that we live in and say here's what god actually is like and here's what love and justice is actually like so in every culture and in every era and in every generation there are going to be things about that culture era generation that do not align with the heart of god mm. and it is the church's job and it is the individual christian's responsibility to call those things out and then to live a better That's way good. and so what what dr king is doing there is using scripture and saying hey the same problems that plagued israel during amos's time the same problems that plagued the um, Roman Empire during the early church's time, the same problems that plagued, you know, basically any empire, Great Britain, you know, they're, they're alive and well here in the United States, and this is what justice looks like. Mm. The hard part for many of us is learning to understand that the way our culture operates, there's some, there's always going to be some things that we like, and we're like, hey, yeah, that's good about it. Let's right, look around those. Right. But there's also going to be a lot of things that are like, this is wrong, mm. and we have to call it that's as good. wrong, and that's we have good. to say, but here's a better alternative. And that's the important part too. We have to be able to demonstrate a better alternative. Mm -hmm. um, you can't like a, you can't just say this is bad. This is I mean you can, but if you want to see anything change, you have to be like okay, let's show a way of life. So specifically to Dr. King's thing, let's imagine a world where people weren't judged by the color of their skin. Mm -hmm. You know, let's imagine a world where people were able to get along, and what mattered was can you trust this person, the content of their heart, their character, not. What is their outward appearance like? He's painting a picture of a different alternative to the society wow. he currently lived in. Wow. And so in a lot of ways, that's what scripture is doing over and over again. Like during the Old Testament, it's, it's the prophets constantly saying, hey, guys, talking to the nation of Israel, this is not the life that God has called us to. Mm -hmm. uh, in, in the Amos 5 passage, he's like, the, the problem was is that Israel had gotten to the point where they were, they were using religious services, like basically like they were going to church as a way of being like, okay, I went to church and now I'm good. I can go do my life however I yeah. want. And Amos is telling them like, God would rather you not sing worship songs. God would rather you not raise money for causes. If you're going to keep mistreating people, mm -hmm. if you're going to keep living a life that's far from God, if you're going to keep in some ways mistreating people and misusing the others and then trying to cover it all over, cover over all of it with a but I go to church is mm -hmm. he's like, no, don't like you're, you're actually making it worse, worse. because wow. now you're painting a picture of my people as people that can act any way they want. Mm. And I have a God cover to do it. Yeah. And in, so if we were to, if we were to fast forward that to 2020, what I would say is like, I, I, I could easily see God or, or, or Jesus speaking to the church today and saying, Hey guys, like quit going to church on Sunday morning, quit getting into groups and being like, you know, I sang my favorite song and, I sang all three choruses, but I don't care. I don't truly love my brother. I don't mm. truly love my neighbor. I don't truly care about the m mistreatment and oppression of other people. Mm. But because I went to church, I'm okay. I'm okay. And that's all that I need yeah. to do. Because I and so like, I, service, I don't want yeah. to put this in a term of like, you've got a quota of how much social justice you've got to do. But at the same right. time, I, I do want to say like, that is part of living the countercultural Jesus yes, life. Yes, yes. Is to embrace them. Like, how, where is their hurt? Where is their pain? Where is their injustice around me? What is God calling me to do, do about, about it? it. Yeah. And then doing whatever and that is. And that's great. Yeah. So our biblical doctrine, our scriptures, inform us how to 
go about doing that how like we're not exempt from this basically we're not exempt from engaging culture because of doctrine like doctrine should actually inform us how to well in, in a lot of ways like let's, let's just talk about worship itself right like like the singing of songs right the singing of songs should be fuel to go and do the work mm. not a not a substitute for it right like in some ways like why should the church be gathered together on a sunday mm -hmm. and worshiping together singing songs encouraging one another so that as we're out in the world living this countercultural life we we have like it's sustainable Wow. Like God is fueling us to do this work. Mm -hmm. Like that's the purpose of it. Yeah. So if, if we're not doing the work, what are we being fueled for? Yeah. Now I, 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 I wow, know that a lot that's of, good. That's a I know a connection. lot of people would say like, well, I come to church on a Sunday because my life has been rough or, you know, work mm -hmm. is tough. Mm -hmm. I'm exhausted. And this refuels me. Yes. True. But there's a bigger picture. Hmm. Like you're not you're not supposed to just be refueled just to do your own thing. Mm. You're supposed to be refueled to do the work, the us thing, the us thing. Yeah. And yeah, and you even see that yeah. so prominently in. I mean, again, I'll point to the civil rights movement. Like spirituals were sung like during protests. Like it was common to hear like hymns and Negro spirituals being sung while they're marching. Yes. Because it was a and, and that's yeah. that's that's Black History 101. Like songs have always been a part of our like integral way that we go out and do the work oh yeah and deal with you know well the we can't we, we can't carry. dive into all of it right here right. on this podcast but there's a long history of songs being banned yeah because of like hey the power that the power has. that they have yeah the yes. fuel that it gives like we and as yeah. a worship you know leader and a worship coordinator at you know the church that we serve at like i that's something i've had to kind of dive into jeremy and i'll i'll, I'll point to one of our favorite people jk jones who's yeah. just a great teacher yeah. mentor like a theologian himself one of the things he told me, I'll never forget, was staff retreat. This was 2019 that we went on staff retreat. Right? Yeah, everything, everything before COVID yeah, everything seems before like 10 COVID. years yeah, ago. It yeah. seems like so long yeah. ago. But one of the things he told me, and it was just so casual, he just, he just pointed to this. He said, hey, you know, have you ever thought about how like worship leading and social justice merge? And he just asked me that. And he, says, he, and he told me, he said, there's not a lot of people who are thinking that way. And I'll just never forget that, Jeremy. And I've sat with that since that conversation into what we're seeing now, right? Because who knew that all yeah. of this was going to happen? That yeah. was like way before. I yeah. could have never guessed. And as a worship coordinator, we're not in church. The California band, we're not even supposed to be singing, right? Yeah. We're literally confined to the like the rooms and houses that we live in. There's these protests and angry uproars going on in the streets. And the Lord is saying, you know, yeah. Amos 5 is perfect. He said, it's so interesting. I love the like contradiction here. You know, he says, I'm done with your ego music. Like I'm done hearing yeah. you sing. But then he asks, when was the last time you really sang to me? And so the thing in my heart is like, oh my gosh, the song that we're singing is songs of justice yeah. and freedom and looking out for the person next to us. Like that's the kind of worship and expression Absolutely. Jesus is looking well, for. And think about it this way, like, and, and you know this far better than I do. And, and people that have been doing this work for decades know this far better. It's not easy to, to work for justice mm -hmm. in any way. In, in most days, it's disheartening. There's very little progress from day to day. You know, like you spend decades working to see the smallest amount of change happen. And it takes a lot out of you. Mm -hmm. When you gather together with 10 other people or 50 or 100 or 1,000 other people, and you sing a song about God and justice and something like that, 
it, it, it reminds you once again, I'm not in this alone. alone yeah. There is a whole group of people and there's a God mm. who is who is with us and for this and is fueling this and was doing this before I was born and will be doing this long after I die. And so like once again, going specifically speaking on worship, worship is fuel for yeah, justice. That's great. It's got to that's be because so you need, good, you need the reminder of man. I'm a part of something, something bigger. Something bigger than this. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Absolutely. That's so powerful. That's great. And I, I honestly, we could end and tie a bow on this. Like we're getting towards that point. Cause I kind of want to, maybe I'll pose a couple questions that we sure. can think about from this and then we'll go into like a resource people can go into. I, I'm really reevaluating, Jeremy, what church is going to look like. I think we all are, especially sure. in ministry. If you're in ministry, yeah. you're like, dude, we're okay. This, I'll say this this way. I've had so many conversations with Christian leaders and Christian friends, people who are you know my age or older who are in ministry. And the question on all of our minds is like, when are things going to go back to normal? And we're preparing for those things, right? We're preparing yeah. for church post-COVID. But I'm like, Jeremy, I don't know. I've been thinking about it just, you know, not yeah. too much, but just maybe within the past week. And I'm kind of taking a step back from that question. Yeah. Because my thing is like, and, and John Mark Homer in his podcast that you and I were listening to earlier on the Bridgetown Daily, one of the things he talks about is like, we really shouldn't be looking for that. Okay, when are things going to settle down? And like, when am I going to start feeling good again? And he's like, that's really not the question we're supposed to be asking. And so for me, one thing that I'm kind of pondering and like praying about is, okay, what if church doesn't ever go back to normal? Like, what if like house church, and I'm not saying, you know, I know there's still arguments for that, whatever, but I'm just saying, what if this house church thing that we're kind of experiencing right now where people are confined to their homes or small group of gatherings in public spaces, like what if that's going to be the norm for the unforeseeable future, you know? And, And my thing is, okay, if that's the norm, if maybe like this good old ministry that we were used to, the stu- these structures and programs that we had in place that were good for the season. Yeah. But the season ahead is begging a different kind of church. It's begging a different kind of reality. And so I'm wondering, this is something that I want people to think about, especially if you're in ministry, but even if you're not, even if you're just a participant, you go to church, maybe yeah. you serve like, you know, on a team is, okay, if church doesn't go back to normal ever again, or even if it does, what is it that Jesus is really asking from me? in this season? What is he really asking from the people that I serve and do life with? And what is what is it that I really believe about scripture, the gospel that we're talking about, the history that we just looked at, the whole history of it. What's the gospel I actually believe in and I'm willing to give my life to? Because right now, all of that's up in the air. We're all seeing different opinions come from different pastors and leaders on social media and all of it's so confusing. And so I want to challenge our listeners to take a step back and to kind of do the inner work and the introspection and and ask ourselves, what is the gospel to me? Like when I hear that word, when I'm studying the gospel, what do I really believe about that? And from that, what I believe, how is that going to inform the way that I do church and life and ministry in the next six months, years, forthcoming future? Because this pivotal moment, this cultural now is a shift and it can, it can easily just become that little thing that happened. And we look back and we're like, oh yeah, that thing happened. And those people were angry and uh, you know, whatever. Or it can be this like revolutionary moment that changes our lives individually, the church's whole the world like literally we're in that kind of reality right now so when i hear you say that i think about a couple things like there's a good chance that the world doesn't go back to normal right there's an even better reason why it shouldn't exactly like 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 we we look about like okay and and not even speaking about the church yet because i'll speak on a second sure but like there are so many things that were wrong with the world previously Mm -hmm. that we shouldn't want to too quickly say let's just go back to that so in one sense like 
the COVID season is giving us a, an opportunity to, to create something new, to experiment, to try mm. new things. Now, specifically speaking about church, I think about like Jesus in when he talks about the old wineskins and the new mm-hmm. wineskins. That's good. And he's talking about like the, the reason the Pharisees had such a hard time. With, like if anybody should have understood Jesus, it should have been the Pharisees. They were the ones that best understood scripture, the ones that most cared about it, stuff like that. But they were they were dedicated to a system and style of ministry and worship that was like very and this would take several podcasts. Right. Plenty exactly. of people could do it better. But yeah. like, hey, for them, the temple was the thing. Yes. You know, you go to the temple, the yes. temple and Jesus is talking about this idea of like, well, temples being in everybody. Yeah. And it was such a wow. mental shift for them that they wow. they could not get it and they didn't mm. want to. And in some ways, like I, I think about like what we're talking about, like the people re Regrasping or, or grasping for the first time, and and reintegrating the different aspects of the gospel, both the the personal salvation and the social justice issues, mm. and reintegrating that, it's going to cause some people to say, okay, well, what does this actually look like, and how do we how do we church in this way, or wow. or how do we be the church in this way? In this way yeah. And I, yeah, I, and I think in a lot of ways we'll see an explosion of just new ideas, people trying new things and stuff like that. Some will work, some won't. Some will be amazing. Some will be like. Uh, I think about there's a there's a pastor named Mark Batterson. Um, he wrote a book, uh, The Circle Maker, mm-hmm. uh, in a pit with a line of snowy mm-hmm, day. Mm-hmm. And he has this quote, and this is this is from way before. You know, this is like a decade, two decades ago, where he always talked about. He's like, there are ways of doing church that no one has thought of yet. Jeez. And uh, and he, and and That's I think about powerful. that. In, yeah, and in, in times like this, where it's like, there are ways that people are going to do church that we don't we haven't even thought, thought about, about or, can, yeah. or even in considered. Wow, and so, that's powerful. Yeah, I, I, I would, I'm going to just echo you and tell yeah. our, like, our listeners, yeah, be thinking about what does it look like to live out the gospel in your context. That's good. And so, the history of the gospel continues. Yeah, yeah, we're still absolutely. in, we're still yeah. making history. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and wow. until Christ returns, until heaven returns down to earth that's and God powerful. renews and makes all things, we get to keep following God into new and interesting places. Come on. That's so. good. I'm good with that. Yeah. Jeremy, I think okay. that was powerful. You had a resource that you were going to share Oh, yeah. With like us. We, so we said on the end of every one of these podcasts, we want to point people to something like that. Okay, since, we, since we've been talking about the gospel the whole time, the resource I just want to point people to would be, um, okay, Lisa Sharon Harper has a book called The Very Good Gospel. And mm-hmm. I, I mentioned it earlier in this, where she dives into some more of this and talks about, okay, what does this actually look like lived out? Read the book. If you're not a book person, just go to YouTube and type in Lisa Sharon Harper, Very Good Gospel. And she's preached this a number of different places. So like, pick whichever one you like, you know, like, and, and listen to it, get the overview. And honestly, she'll explain stuff way better than That's I did good. anyway. So yeah, Lisa Sharon Harper, Very Good Gospel. Find it from someplace that you like. That, so. I love it. Perfect. Jeremy, that's it. I call it a wrap. That was great. All right. Well, once again, listeners, thank you so much for listening. As we always say, you know, subscribe, comment, like, comment, share, share etc. <laughs> All See right. you guys next time. Adios. Bye.